This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. I'm Ryan. And I'm Steve, and this is 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar buying, selling, trading, mining, fixing, working, reviewing, playing podcast. We're back at it again. Back in the garage. In my garage. Let's talk about this Les Paul. Yeah. <laughs> Before we start getting too stupid with like Weezer, Weezer stuff, references. Weezer songs oh. getting us demonetized, Steve. So this thing looks stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of getting demonetized, this is a Gibson Les Paul with EMGs and a Floyd Rose for $950. I'm not bothered by the EMGs. I'm not bothered by the concept of having Floyd Roses on Les Pauls. Despite people out there who are grinding their teeth right now. Are you bothered by this specific kind of Floyd Rose? I am. I'm bothered by this specific model of Floyd Rose, which is like the drop-on one. Right. It's the FRX. Yeah. It looks like something that fell off of like the Batmobile. Like there's just too much going on with these things. It's not an aesthetic choice at all. I mean, a Floyd Rose is already kind of like, kind of like a utilitarian, like clunky sort of design. Like uh-huh. there's nothing really like pretty about them. Yeah. Despite it, in, unless you're just someone who likes looking at Floyd Roses, like you appreciate different models of Floyd Roses. But in its design, there's nothing like sleek or like compact about it. This makes it even worse. They tried to design this to make it look like something, and it just looks like like a chunk of a stealth fighter or something yeah. like that, you know? I also have been trying to figure out exactly what model this is. It's definitely the a Les Paul? faded finish. Yeah, it kind of looks like um, a like a treasure map. It's not oh yeah. It's not like a wood grain. It's like a weird bursted I think that might like just, paint job. I feel like that might be kind of just the picture just of the it. bad quality picture um but i think this might be like a tr- i think they did like a tribute faded oh yeah this is definitely it. the gibson les paul tribute t faded uh, i'll give you a picture of it i bet it looks better without this floyd rose thing on it it looks like that yeah it looks way better it had a pit guard on it so this is like a 500 and yeah, it's got a little bit of wood grain popping yeah, through. It's got like a five. This is like a 500, 500, 500, 600. I don't know why I'm stumbling over those prices. I don't know prices. either, Steve. Um, the EMGs, if they're like, assuming they're like an 85, 185 set, that's like a 200, another $200. The Floyd Rose is like another $200. Well, no, the Floyd Rose is like almost 300 Yeah, so. For that I freaking mean, FRX I, system. I kind of do hate to say it, but this is maybe priced appropriately. I feel like if I was a seller, I'd I'd want to reverse part this thing out a little bit. Right. I'd like back the truck up. It it shouldn't be hard to take that Floyd Rose off. They're supposed to just lock onto a tunematic post, yeah, sort of system. Maybe I don't know why they wouldn't just take that off and put the tunematic back on there. Like, is it really that much trouble for you to restring the guitar before you sell it? Like. And then flip. Maybe like, this guy bought it secondhand, and so these are all. Um, he doesn't have the original parts or something. I just like going back to this Floyd Rose. It's hard for me to imagine a guitar that these things would look good on. I don't think I've ever seen them on a guitar and been like, "Oh yeah, that works." Yeah, the FRX is like. It's, it's just so huge. Well, so it's it's the it's the Floyd Rose version of a Bigsby. Yeah. <laughs> Like, think about what it takes to put a, a Bigsby, Bigsby on a, a Les Paul. Bigsby is sleeker than this design. It's sleeker because it's it's smaller because it has it's more to, sporty. I don't know if the Les Paul version of a Floyd Rose or of a Bigsby is that much. I mean, the Floyd Rose in any design, like the Floyd Rose, at least the Bigsby, there is no locking version of the Floyd Rose that is sleek. No, I I know that. Like it's a it's a boxy angular like chromy metallic thing that doesn't look like it's at home on a Floyd Rose. It looks like it's at home on a Super Strat because we're used to seeing it on there. Right, but, right. But even like when you take a Les Paul 
and it's made to have a Floyd Rose on it. It has the route in there, and a Floyd Rose is on a Les Paul. I'm more fine with that than I am with this. So you, so you're fine with like the less? Is, is that the access model? I think. I don't know. I'm and, fine with those neon ones they put out that has it like a black Floyd Rose on it. Yeah, that. but but where it's actually built in, it's not right. like. Ooh, I kicked my mic stand. That's don't weird. Do that. um, where it's actually built into the like they just basically half of your Les Paul is missing. Because to accommodate a Floyd Rose. <laughs> well, yeah, you got to take a lot of wood out to put one of those in. And I get like that this system bypasses that. There's no modification you need to make to a guitar to drop this in here. If you are Floyd Rose curious, you can convert a guitar that you like into a Floyd Rose guitar for 300 bucks. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a, 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 a nut saddle locking system that comes with them and connects into where your truss rod cover would be. So here's what you need to know about this ad. If you're Floyd Rose curious and you're willing to modify your nut, all you got to do is take that wood out. Take the wood out. No, I don't think anyone should modify an existing Les Paul to put a real Floyd Rose in. Right. I think this is, if someone really wants to experiment with having a Floyd Rose on a Les Paul and they don't want to fully invest, I guess this is the way to do it. But it's just so ugly. Yeah. It's ugly, right? No, it's pretty bad. Like, it doesn't fit I feel like it, the look I of the feel guitar like it all, all. I feel like bl- if this was black, if you went, like, all blackout, like... Yeah. Like a black... Like an Ebony Les Paul... Well, that's just because it would disappear a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This on... Okay, okay. You put this on a, on a blackout SG. Everything's black, uh-huh. and this is just kind of hidden... And I saw someone playing it at a show. I'd be like, okay, yeah, you're hiding. I it. feel like even if you were to go with any other color of Les Paul and like a nickel plated version of this, no, dude. I think nickel plated on I think the black nic- would be sick. I think the nickel's even worse because then it's like then you can really see how like huge it is and shiny it is. It's a bigger eyesore. This is such a huge system, and it like there's no angle of it and no like part of it. That looks, I mean, at least like a Bigsby looks like a trapeze tailpiece in a way. Like it's kind of decorative. It's kind of flowy. It looks like it's from the time that most guitars were designed in. You know, like I don't what, know. what guitar? I don't know, Ryan. I you was, have to have like a really futuristic looking guitar for this to fit in on it. I was like counting the corners here, Ryan. And there's at least eight or nine angles that I can see for this. Uh, I'm going to look Floyd up. Rose FRX system. Why are you counting angles? Why does it matter? Oh, you said something about angles, so I started looking at looking at all the angles. <laughs> There's a lot of angles, that's for sure. Like I'm saying, it's like it looks like a stealth fighter. It looks like the Batmobile. <laughs> that, I want to see pictures of this thing on other guitars. Of course, another Les Paul. Yeah. SG. That's they all you're gonna so, see it on because it looks no, so you don't, bad. You're not gonna drop this on anything else. Like it's designed to drop on something with the Tom. So there's just like those are your there it two is on a blackout tons. Les Paul, and because it's hiding, it looks better, but it still looks god awful. Uh, whatever. I'm sure the functionality is there, but the aesthetics are bad. Look at this chrome one on a silver burst Les Paul. It looks yeah, chrome bad. on silver burst is it bad. Too it needs big. It needs all like it needs more chrome. It needs to be on the most gigantic guitar in the world because the whole system is too big. So, like, uh, you're saying this needs to drop on to, like, an... If they could make it so that the wings on the side were underneath the bridge, so the bridge was, like, a normal width Uh of a a Floyd, I would be able to forgive the bit sticking out the back. But the wings on the side of it that make it super wide, it just looks bad. I hate the look of these things. I'm probably going to end up having one someday on something. Yep, here we go. You got... Oh, that's not even... That's not a... That's a 339. Dang it. It almost looks okay on this Explorer because an Explorer is angular. But it's still way too big. Way too big. I was hoping somebody had put one on an ES-335, but I can only find... (laughs) Like, I don't think this looks... I don't think this looks awful. I think... That's a three three nine. <laughs> you got to send that picture to me. <laughs> I don't hate this. Oh man, it. I hate it. <laughs> Let us know in the comments. Do you think that this this tremolo system 
is okay. You think it looks fine. I think it looks awful. And I hate it every time I see it. And I'm not a Floyd Rose hater. I like Floyd Roses on things. Did you, are you airdropping it to me? Gonna drop that air! Accepting it. Hopefully I remember to edit that into the episode. Well, I'm talking about it. I'll remind yeah, myself. should. Ryan, edit that photo into the episode. There. Good. I've done there you it. go. <laughs> anything uh, new going on, Steve? You got anything new? Uh, oh, are we going to what's news? Yeah. I mean, what did um, you want to do? You want to keep talking about that Floyd Rose on the West Ball? I didn't realize we were there already. I mean, the price, the pri- like, we already established the price is fair. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I, the price is fairish. The more I think about it, I feel like the price is like maybe a little high since, you know, everything here is used, but. If you want I, that, I, I can understand how they got to the price, and I don't feel like they've tried to do the whole thing. Well, this is a two hundred dollar pickup set plus another two hundred dollars for labor, right? Right. right. Um, so yeah, wh- you know, whatever. I, I still think they should have taken the the bridge off, put the original tunematic back on, and sold them separate. Leave the EMGs in the Les Paul. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. That's you just think throw the uh, throw the. Yeah, you just need to sell them separately. And you'll probably get more money if you mm-hmm. do it that way. And and it'll sell quicker because it'll be less niche, you know? Or niche, yeah. however you like to pronounce it. Nietzsche. Nietzsche. It'll be less Nietzsche. Nisha. So uh, what's new, Steve? Um, what's new is this. Okay, so I'm thinking about this week is the – we'll drop the third episode of the Just Surprise Me podcast. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe you so, recorded so many episodes with those boys. I did a regular episode with them, uh, which was – Basically three weeks ago now, two and a half weeks ago. I listened ago. to the first one. Um, and then I did a general Star Trek episode with them. And then we did a Star Trek season one uh, episode. Of, of Next Generation? Star Trek Discovery season one. Okay, Discovery season um, one. So wow. I'm supposed to be going back to do Discovery season two at some point. What did you think of Discovery as a whole? I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I thought... I, you know, it's funny because I'm reading a lot of reviews and seeing, in, you know, in hindsight now, like seeing different people's takes on it. And a lot of people are saying that they thought, well, one thing I've seen a lot of people who say that they like season two more than season one. And I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. I think season one is better sci-fi than season two, but season two is better Star Trek. The season one. I think that that's true. Sense. I'll say that I think that season one has worst acting. Okay. The season two leans deeper into camp in an intentional way. Like they're more intentionally right. cheesy in season two, where in season one, they're trying to be deadly serious and they're not pulling it off. Right. Um, I think that's fair. Yeah. yeah. I think that both um, seasons are very enjoyable. It's a different kind of trek. It's a different kind of I storytelling. Think that both of them fit into the canon, the greater canon of Star Trek really well. They do. And they um, well, they, they retcon that show so hard into can into Trek canon. I mean like they're like, don't worry, we'll explain this. <laughs> yeah, I mean some of that some New of the listeners true. of the show are like, what just happened? They were talking about a Les Paul, now they're talking about Star yes. Trek. Some of that's some of that is true. Like some of it's is kind of forced. Obviously like the whole you know, the Klingons seem like everyone wants to redesign the Klingons all the time. Um, one of my complaints constantly with Star Trek as it moves forward or backwards in terms of, of video technology is just that it's like, what? and you know, the original Star Trek, like the original series, it was like, we, had, we have two phaser banks and that's it. And they had like carnival buttons on their yeah, and controllers. Then, and and like, then you get to like the newer ones, whether it's JJ verse, whether it's, sure, sure. you know, whatever. Um, all of a sudden, like the enterprise has like, tw- you know, 12 phaser banks that can all fire simultaneously. And anytime they go into battle, there's like a hundred photon torpedoes on the screen and 15 phaser banks. And, Oh, right. oh, also, did you know that we have like 40 shuttlecraft on board, but you didn't know that? <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, like that stuff. Like, I'm, you know, it's like, I understand we have the technology to accomplish this. And so it's fun. So I kind of had to turn that part of my brain off. Um, but I thought they shoved everything into the canon of Star Trek without even oh, being they like, shoved it deep in the canon. They oh would have used. I didn't even think they like had to retcon. That's a joke. I don't even agree with. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even think they had to retcon it that hard. Really? Sure, like, sure. I think it was kind of, there are certain things where it's like, 
where it was definitely like, mm, yes, we'll just do this whole thing and then I mean, erase how it all. Many but people at this point are related to Spock. Why is everyone in Star Trek related? Well, to the Spock? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> all three people. He's got parents. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. His parents, him. Does he have okay, a brother? Okay. Whatever. Let's get back to the gear. All right. Anyway, you asked stuff. me. So anyway, go check that out. I will say, if you enjoyed the drunk episodes of Sixty Cycle Hum, oh my gosh. then you should definitely go check out um, these. I listen my, to the, my episodes of Just Surprise Me. I listened to that first episode of that, and you were already getting a little loose. I think so. I can't imagine. Well, it's a different environment too because it's a pop culture podcast. So I get really, really excited. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I'll I'll check out the other episodes. The other ones are definitely way yeah. more off the rails. I was a guest on uh, Get Offset. Oh yeah, for people who don't know that. I only listened to the first yeah. half of that episode. You I, to I the never got half. to the second half. There's some good bits in the second half. Yeah. It was a fun thing that they uh, they hit up a couple different people and had them just like kind of answer a questionnaire. Yeah, and then they did a clip show where they we cut all the clips together and had people answer the same question in different ways. It was me. Uh, it was it was Julie from Earthquaker Devices, mm-hmm. and it was two other people. Sorry, I can't remember who the other two people were. Yeah, um, um, but it it was a bunch of fun and a bit more of a somber topic than Steve getting drunk and talking about Star Trek. We were talking about trolls and how to deal with trolls, and it was interesting. Uh, well, to I think it's a, it was like, only a somber topic from the other people's perspectives, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> not from yours. I was I'm a little bit of an a hole with my trolls. You're just like. Trolls. Oh, yeah, they pay the bills. <laughs> but I think it's fun that there's such a wide variety of responses to that yeah. topic in those episodes. So go check that out. Get off the set podcast. Other than that, uh, I redesigned the walls behind us. Yeah, man. Um, uh, String Swing hit me up. And I was like, hey, can you send us pictures of your walls for whatever we're doing? And I was like, hey, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, here's some pictures. Oh, by the way, like. Uh, my Amazon affiliate links for the string swings that I did a video of are like my top selling like, affiliate link. And like, oh, hey, you want us to send you anything? It's like, I've been thinking about putting up like the slider racks if you want to send me some yeah. of those. So they, thanks String Swing. They hooked me up. I need to do a video of those things. Uh, they're pretty cool. And they freed up actually like quite a bit of space in here. Like they really compacted everything that's behind me like to the point where I wonder if I need to do the same thing over there. I mean, maybe eventually. Yeah, maybe eventually. I mean, I keep getting guitars. I need space to put them. I want to get rid of a couple of these guitars. Yeah, you've been saying that for like how long? I know, now? I know. But we've got you got your guitar there that we're going to super rich Steve at some point. Yeah, uh, we've got the Mahar. I'll probably figure out a giveaway or something for this Harley Benton. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can take down the the Hofner that's back there, the Mini Hofner, and uh. And then the, the SL can probably get moved at some point. I don't know. Sure, sure. We'll figure it out. But there's there's going to be some spaces opening up here. Yep. But also, like I've got the amps behind us now. Yeah. We've got this whole it amp It feels thing like on. I have a lot more room all of a sudden. Yeah. I, well, I do. That's the whole thing. Like Because those shelves used to be right behind. To it's your easier to access To stuff. your left, and you were tighter. And this pushes them back in the corner and makes the whole space a little bit rounder now. There's a guitar here. I yeah. actually, I never picked this up. You should pick it up and give people your honest opinion real quick. This neck is way bigger than I expected. Yeah, it's it's kind of a beefy, like vintagey sort of round neck. It's a guitar, right? Yeah, it's a hundred and forty dollar guitar. He's holding the Firefly three thirty eight right now for our audio only listeners. It plays like a guitar. The frets aren't aren't awful. No. They're, uh, the action's a little high right now. I could fix the action, but it's it. There's no dead spots or anything like that. I'm stoked on it. It should be actually. There should be some more coming onto Amazon any day now. It might even be today. But uh, I put Ooh. together a a follow up video to give like my full review of it. Uh, that I'll probably be launching right. when that happens. So oh, I can cool. cash in on that yeah. Amazon affiliate stuff again. <laughs> But anyways, yeah, that's what's new with me. Just did the redesign. Also, I've got a tabletop over here now to like stack pedals on and stuff before I was stacking stuff on amps and whatnot. It's wood. It's wood. I cut it out of plywood. So, yeah, that's that's mine what's new. Very cool. Yeah. 
All right. Uh, well, before we move on, let's hit this first sponsor spot. This week is uh, this week's episode is sponsored by Diderio, and we're talking about the auto lock strap. The auto lock strap uh, has proprietary locking strap design technology <laughs> built into the end cap. I said all those fancy words, but they were designed by Ned Steinberger of the Steinberger guitar and bass genius trap. There, Ryan has the padded strap. I have the classic uh, automobile uh, strap, like the seat belt strap. Seat belt strap. Um, I like and they one. are great. They're like super convenient. I keep mine in one of my bags and uh, I can pretty much slap it onto any good guitar in any situation. Someone asked if these could go on a guitar that has a strap button like this. I haven't tried it on this guitar yet. Yep. Goes right on there. Yeah. And that's actually a really good uh, point with that one because on instruments that have the back plate like that, a lot of times a full on like. Strap yeah, imagine, lock system is way too beefy. Imagine putting one of those strap locks like systems on there that's shaped like a freaking like chest bishop. Yeah. <laughs> you can't put that like on an SG or something like that. Yeah. Like you're screwed. I mean, that. I'm sure lots of people do it because I guess depending on how you hold it, but it's not gonna be nearly as flush. Ooh, I can't imagine it because those things stick out like an inch. And I think a, half. a lot of people who use SGs in that context probably go with the Dunlop, which is a flat, but it still sticks super far away from the body. Anyway, I wouldn't want to do it. I'd rather, I'd much rather use these. I really like that. I've thought thought about buying a couple more of those straps mm-hmm. just to keep one in like Steve, every you have a sponsor. pedal case I have. I know. Don't buy stuff. Hey guys. How's hey. It going? Diderio. Steve wants more stuff. <laughs> I'm not good at asking sponsors for stuff. Okay. All right. So that's our first one. Check out the link in the notes. They're freaking great. They'll replace like a bunch of straps in your collection. I guarantee it. Or else. Just get one. It'll replace all your straps. Because how many guitars can you wear at one time, right? Right? Throw your other straps away. Yeah, you don't need those. Throw them in the fire. Literally, I've gotten like other straps since getting that strap. Like that word, I just won in contests and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, I don't even know what to do with this. I have a crap ton of straps hanging on yeah, the door over of, here. I need just a bunch of garbage. I need to get rid of a bunch of you them. You need to sell those monos. Probably uh, get some cash, cash money for those. You think I can get cash money for the yeah, monos? Yeah, boy. All right. Anyway, uh, moving on. Our first topic is... Uh, this one is uh, from Emily Harris of the Get Offset Podcast. Yeah, we, speaking of which. About. She said, would you buy a $100,000... No, not $100,000. Would you buy a $1,000 flight case that was custom made for your guitar? And I feel like this question isn't all the way the question that I want to answer yeah. or ask ourselves. I want to figure out what is the correct like ratio case cost to guitar cost like if you bought a like what how expensive would you need a guitar to be for you to justify buying a one thousand dollar case that's specifically for that guitar i want to say if you're thinking in terms of ratio i want to say like 30 percent that's not a ratio that's a percent percents are ratios okay i mean they function uh, i would say one third you're thinking one third, so a one thousand dollar guitar earns a three hundred thirty three dollar ball. Sure, I'm just ballparking. Well, think okay, think about it this way, right? Like, at what point do you? At what point is the value in a mono vertigo case justified? Well, I did buy one of those, and what are those new? And would hold on, don't answer that question. What guitar did you put in it? I bought it because I was getting nicer guitars like the Titan and the Roni, okay, and stuff like that. I was like, I can't, I can't haul those around in my cheap ass cases with failing zippers and stuff like that so depend and then now are we talking about like so new, let's say let's new say value i got used value are those are those cases like 275 or something yeah. like that so we'll say i got a 275 case for uh for a titan that's worth 1300 yeah so that's um like 25 percent. 25 percent. that's not a far it's a off. little less than 25 percent. in the case of the little stinker the resale value on that was not great so right. now you're pushing way closer to 30 percent, if not over 30 percent. but the original value of it sure was like 2400 dollars yes. or something which is closer to 10 percent. so now we have a conundrum but i think <laughs> lots of people are buying like but i i, I bought it with the titan in mind right and, and I think, so that i think that i think it I think a twenty to thirty percent that ratio range, works. Right. Yeah. So for a thousand dollar case, then mm-hmm. we're talking about a three thousand, four thousand dollar guitar yeah. that goes into it. Yeah. 
I've, man, I can't imagine buying a three or four thousand dollar guitar though. I think it really just okay. So to actually answer this question, and like what men, what mentality are you in if you're someone who's spending three and four thousand dollars on a guitar? Right. Well, I think it has. I think the actual answer to this depends on how um, how much you are like actually a working muso. Working muso, <laughs> um, because you know, literally, like every single person who's had their guitar smashed on a United Airlines flight probably wished they would have dropped a thousand dollars on a guitar case. I don't think any case can keep that from happening. You, well, the, United is just too good at their job. I'm, like the whole thing with like the Colton case is that like right. you can take it and throw it off of like a freaking bridge, like, right? Right. You know, and that literally like when we went to Colton United and, has jet turbines at their disposal Steve they will find a way <laughs> I'm just saying like so when we went you to Colton you got something in your teeth too by the way I hope just, so yeah can you see oh big thing probably wouldn't even been picked up on Delicious. camera and I just it was bothering you yeah second dinner there huh yeah um <laughs> I'm just thinking like when we went to Colton went by Colton cases Colton yeah Colton? I would climb in one of those things and expect to survive yeah being thrown off a like bridge. A, well, uh, we like we t- threw like I an emergency like, escape. Pods. I was like, yeah, we threw a guitar off of a bridge in a case. Can you do that on yours? And and the girl was like, yeah. Was your guitar still in tune afterwards? And we're like, nope, it was not. She's intact. like, she's like, should have gone Colton case. <laughs> I was like, dang, that's some confidence. Yeah. Well, they they are like they're like car bodies that you put around your guitar. Yeah, I is don't that what those cost? Are those a thousand? I have no bucks? idea. For some reason, I thought they were more because those are like what people put thirty thousand dollar like cellos and stuff. Oh, in, right? oh yeah, yeah, those ones. Yeah, I don't know how much their um, guitar case is. I can't I, imagine they, can they charge a different rate for guitars versus. There cellos. is one on Reverb for one thousand two hundred and fifteen dollars. <laughs> Man, uh, another one I being like sold s- by Lark Guitars for eleven hundred dollars. I sweated bullets over a guitar that I bought for nine hundred dollars. Like, I can't imagine just being in the headspace like, oh, yeah, uh, this guitar I bought needs a $1,300, $1,200 case. But I think that's a space you get into because, you know, you think about where, where, where would you say, like, I guess, what would you say is the definition price range of a premium electric guitar? Like, at what price point do you feel like you're getting into premium electric guitars? I feel like probably like the three or four thousand dollar range because then you're getting into small builder customs and you're getting into top shelf factory builds. You know, like it. Okay, like oh, it, let me rephrase that then because I'm not, because I'm not getting the answer that I want. <laughs> At what point do you feel like you're getting into premium mass manufactured electric guitars? Okay, I feel like. I mean, it's tough because Gibson exists. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I, I, right. I feel i feel like once you get over like like two thousand twenty five hundred dollars like a factory guitar should be really good right it so, should be really so good I, I guess i i mean either way i can work with either answer the that price point was more i was thinking like, like if you get like a twenty five hundred dollar like, fender it better be like a really really good yeah fender. yeah well i don't even think you can get a twenty five hundred like i think it's really hard to get a twenty five hundred dollar manufactured fender yeah like i think that's at like that point you're like stuff. bordering into custom shop or you're bordering you're getting into like limited run but that's that's not really my the point anyway the point being like even if you're saying like three thousand dollars for like a high-end electric guitar you're just breaking into like what most people would consider the mid-range of acoustic guitars sure at that point so when i'm looking at like a thousand dollar colton case like that's for and an the, acoustic guitar like really fancy, and that gets yeah. you into like the taylor like six series you're breaking into the four thousands and if you're looking at taylor eight or nine series and if you're looking at like a premium like a santa cruz or whatever like you're talking about six thousand dollars for an acoustic guitar at which point you know a thousand dollar guitar spend so much money on such a boring thing <laughs> Yikes. An acoustic guitar, ah. dude. Um, I, it gives me uh, a funny memory. When I was a teenager, I went to the local guitar, like the music shop. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to convince my parents to let me buy an, an electric music guitar. Central? Yeah, and uh, I was like, you know, it's 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 funny. Like the electric guitars are a lot cheaper than the acoustic guitars over there. And my my dad, without like missing a beat, was like, "That's because they sound better." <laughs> 
We went. To, I went with an old coworker of mine to um, a local music shop that only sells like the cheapest acoustic guitar. In their shop was probably like three thousand dollars. Wow. Um, the cheapest electrified instrument was probably like fifteen hundred dollars. And uh, basically, my coworker went in there and said that he had a budget of three thousand dollars. Uh huh. And they basically told like after like they were talking to him and they were talking to him. And he's like, yeah, you know, I'm looking at buying like a, I'm looking at upgrading my acoustic and like, I'm just trying to see what's out there. I'm probably going to be spending about like $3,000. And the guy's reaction was just kind of like, oh, you might, you might, uh, we don't, we don't really cater to that price point. Because it was too low. <laughs> because it was too low. Because everything in there was like callings and Santa Cruz right, and whatever. Right. And, and, they, it was just a very like, oh, I'm I'm sorry. And then he like kind of snapped. Let me direct you to the toilet. Yeah. He kind of like, <laughs> my coworker kind of clapped back at him too. He's like, he's like, well, I actually like plan on beating the crap out. Like I actually plan on playing this every freaking single day. And the guy was like, well, I guarantee, like I guarantee our instruments are getting played. And he's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Not by the, not the way I'm talking about playing. But <laughs> anyway, that's an aside. If you own a $6,000 guitar and you play every played at the bars every single night if you play a six thousand dollar guitar i would like to encourage you to support us on patreon (laughs) they can't even a dollar a month makes a difference they can't because they spent all their money on a six thousand (laughs) dollar guitar i can't i mean like i i'm privileged like i I get a lot in america i i get a lot of gear coming through the door door here Mm -hmm. and i have a lot of guitars that i would have never been able to buy but I cannot put myself in the headspace of shopping for and then purchasing a three thousand dollar guitar. Like I can't imagine what I would even be looking for in that price point. Like I, I guess like I would be having something custom built for me to like my specs because I'm not just I wouldn't want to just go pick up something off the wall and be like, oh yeah, this guitar seems fine for three thousand bucks. Mm-hmm. But then like that that jump to be like gosh, I hope this thing I'm ordering plays like a $3,000 guitar, you know? Man, I haven't thought about this in a while, this sort of mind space, I guess, of expensive guitars. You should go spend some time in the Guitar Center Platinum Room or whatever it's called. But even when I'm there, I'm like, oh, these exist. Yeah. But I'm not like in the headspace of like, which one would I buy? No, I'm saying, well, and the problem, actually, the last time I was in there, like most of the instruments in there were locked up anyway. Yeah, they lock them down now, which is smart. This is what they should have done all along because like children go to Guitar Center and touch everything. Yeah. Like you should definitely have kids. You should definitely have the high end stuff locked up because they wreck every guitar that they touch in there. Like, yeah, every, look at Ryan's guitars. Yeah, my guitars are messed up, and I'm not a child. <laughs> do we have any? Uh, do you have anything else you need to say about this case? No. Thing? Like, I mean, I don't know. Like that. That's my this thing. This is, is I, our classic bit. Wrap up the bit where we try to figure out if there's anything left. I to mean, say. I, you know, my thing with all of this is. It's all about usage. So sure. I think if you, you don't need a case for your $6,000 guitar, if you don't take it out of your house. Exactly. And even with that, like if you, I, I could see people like, again, like a thousand dollar case that's like custom built to your instrument, or even if it's not custom built to your instrument, like a thousand dollar generic, because you play, you know, a standard body style guitar, like that makes sense to me if you are like doing a lot of like flying gigs or whatever tour bus stuff where things are just getting tossed in there i would hope if you're if you're on a tour bus and you like the people you have handling your gear are answering directly to you and so they're not going to mistreat your stuff sure um but yeah i think i think that's really like the the bottom line is and so like yeah i don't think either of us can feasibly like conceptualize like what would I need to be doing to justify a thousand dollar case, but at the same time like you are have I've already said multiple times in the last like five ten minutes that you cannot think of a situation that you would be in where you could even justify owning a three thousand dollar guitar right. So but it's like you get a three thousand dollar guitar, you throw the thirty percent case cost on there, and now you've spent four thousand dollars. <laughs> 
I couldn't it's imagine true. spending three thousand dollars. Now I got to spend four thousand dollars. But only if you're playing on the you know playing on the road all now the time. Now I got to buy these airplane around. tickets, and I'm flying first class. Yeah, those yeah. cost twenty five hundred dollars. Have you ever priced out first class tickets? You're not using uh, what's that? What's that uh, email list that sends you the flight ticket, cheap flights? Do people use that for first class though? Oh, probably not. I've never, I've never priced first class tickets, Ryan. Tell me more. I've never, I don't even think I, fl- I don't even remember the last time I flew on a plane that had a first class section. <laughs> Man, the first class coming back from Germany was a trip, dude. Oh yeah. Everyone had like, they were like in these cubicles. It looked right. like they could have been working at their nice. uh, desk. And then they're wait. Were you not? Were you in first class? No, no you just walked not. through it. Yeah, I just walked through it. Of course, I walked through it because everyone walks through it. And right. everyone in first class looks at you and like, that's right, back to the plane, <laughs> get back there. We're, we're living a different life up here. But the first class chairs were like cubicles with their own like big TV. Mm-hmm. Their chairs would fold down into an actual bed. It was insane. And no, all the chairs were tilted. So no one would have to like have like eye contact with each other or, right. like, or have any awareness that anyone else was on the plane with them. It <laughs> It was pretty incredible. Sounds great. Sounds but I like still can't like justify the price of it. It's like $2,500, $3,000, fly first class or something like that. Jeez. Yeah. Nuts. No, thank you. I, I will be uncomfortable and dirty and, and, cur- and, and rich and save that money. But also poor, but like. To pay my bills and not buy a $3,000 guitar in a $1,000 case. Good for people who can spend that money. Good for those I mean, guys. their companies are probably good for pay, those guys. paying to up, upgrade them to first class. People have to spend that money so the money trickles down, right? Yeah. That's how it works. <laughs> All right. So next ad, uh, this was sent to us by Jason Weiser. Did we say who sent us the first one? Um, Brandon Mullis sent us the first okay, one. Did so we this not one. say that? Second ad, Jason Weiser, MIA Parts Disaster is what I've titled yeah. it. Uh, since this guitar is certainly not stock and is a quote parts caster, I'll break down its value. If you were simply buying it to break it up and sell its parts, David Gilmore, EMG loaded pit guard, $200 Evertune bridge, $200 Warmoth custom maple strat neck with full scallop and stainless steel frets, $200 Ryan, you got to point out the stainless steel frets. It's got stainless steel frets guys. It's important. American strap body, lower horn sanded by previous owner. So I'll say only a hundred dollars. Fender tuning machines, $20. Fender strap locks, $10. Fender TSA strat case, $70. These prices are all pretty conservative. Feel free to cross-reference them with market values and see for yourself that I'm low-balling their value quite a bit. So why am I not selling this guitar's parts myself? Because all of these parts have been professionally installed and come together in an absolutely awesome playing and beautiful sounding guitar with lots of characters. It's definitely not your run-of-the-mill strat, but if you can get past the fact uh, you've got yourself a beast of an instrument that outperforms your run-of-the-mill strats any day. I'm in no rush to sell and really don't even need to, so I'll probably ignore lowball offers. I'm mostly interested in seeing what kinds of trade offers come my way. I love this guitar, but when it comes down to it, I'm a Gibson person and not a Fender person. I think there's a guitar out there that will suit me better, and that uh, the same goes for somebody out there with this guitar. Feel free to message me for more pictures or ask any questions. It's asking seven hundred and twenty dollars for he's this giving a guitar. Six, he's giving a sixty dollar discount based on his estimations of reselling the parts. His estimation on the guitar being a hundred bucks because the lower horn has been decimated <laughs> in a really weird way is garbage. I don't think that body's going to sell for anything. I don't think it's going to sell for a hundred bucks. I think that's a $25 body now because no one wants that. It's ugly. I mean, it's dumb, but I don't know if I'd cut it all the way down to $25. No one's going to care that that's an MIA body based on the reshape of that lower horn. They turned it into a freaking banana. But they also reshaped the pickguard. That's got to count for something. Oh, good. They reshaped the pickguard. Yeah. The pickguard has to go with the body now. I mean, really what you're selling here is you're selling a scalp neck with stainless steel frets. Mm-hmm. And you're selling an Evertune bridge. And you're selling the pickups. Yeah. But the thing with the Evertune bridge is, like, that's a major operation to get that into a guitar. Like, you just And it's not even actually installed. I won't say it's installed improperly, but... The install is sloppy because there used to be a trem in there. <laughs> right. You can so, see the little, little yeah, gap. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. I, I look at this and I'm like, 
it's it's a hard sell because it's like someone has to want a scalloped neck with stainless steel frets. Mm -hmm. I have to mention it. Who wouldn't mention that? Uh, They have to want those pickups and an Evertune bridge, which are all each uniquely like niche pieces of gear. And finding someone who wants all three of those things together is just like impossible. Do you think there's like two dudes in America who want this guitar and they don't even know it exists? Do you think so? His whole thing is he doesn't want to take it apart because um, because he thinks it plays because really it, good. It, because it plays really well. But I actually think that's what's keeping this from being a full on like actually interesting piece. What do you mean? Well, because I like I mentioned. So the first thing that got me thinking about this was I, you know, I pointed out that you know the Evertune doesn't fit right, like, sure, because it's covering up a, a fender trim cavity. So how do you fix that? Well, new body. You, well, <laughs> new body, or like you fill this body, right? Okay, you'd have to fill this in, and once you fill it in, it's going to look weird. So what do you have to do then? You have to refinish the body. Jeez. I'm not saying this thing is worth anything. I'm saying that the, right. the problem with this guitar is it has pieces that are interesting. Right. But it's not like – I actually don't think this body is like the worst looking shape ever. I think the fact that the lower horn was shaved, shaved down and reshaped but left bare is what makes this – like no, extra bad. That lower horn looks bad. It looks like a wiener. <laughs> it looks like but a But there's dick. like plenty of co- guitars that look have wiener horns. Right, like Hammer mis- made a killing it, on it, wiener horns. It mismatches the top horn, which is your classic Strat top horn. Like the, the dolphin fin up there. I think this thing looks would look like... You've got a dolphin fin and then you've got a wiener hanging down underneath yeah, it. Yeah, dude. We're, that's like the whale swimming upside down. It's the legend of the Kraken. <laughs> <laughs> like that's they not a giant listen, squid dude. they could have reshaped the lower horn and the top horn to be more reflective of like an ibanez rg shape which would have given them what they were probably going for which right. is like an extended like fret range down there and a more open feeling around the hand which you don't really like, uh, a, a strat is already like a premium like ergonomic experience with your fret access yeah. and the lower. I mean, horn. the real problem with fret access on this is the fact that this still has a traditional square block, sure, um, heel. So you're not really getting that much more access no. because you're going to hit that heel. But I don't know. Like I don't totally actually what this what that horn kind of reminds me of is the weird um, is like the is like that when someone throws a tele a strap pick guard on like a Telecaster. <laughs> Right, right. Like there, it's kind of got that thing going on. Um, I would offer five hundred for this uh, solely to scrap the Evertune out of this and have it put into something else, and then sell the neck and sell the pickups. All right. I think how much do Evertunes go for? Well, he's saying two hundred. No, but that's not what they're worth. They're worth oh, I don't that. know what they're worth. He said he says, but 200. I think you, I think they they're probably like three hundred or something like that. You have to have them professionally installed in a yeah, thing. That's true. So maybe if you can save some money selling the neck and the pickups out of this and then finding someone to buy that body for whatever you can get. Like this is this is all a scheme in my mind to get that Evertune hardware. I can't even find an Evertune like being sold by itself on Yeah, Reverb. I think you ha- it's like it comes with the installation. <laughs> like you pay for the installation and the right. Evertune is part of that, you know? Pay for this installation and the Evertune is free. <laughs> what What is your gut on the price for this? I think 500 is actually exactly what I was thinking. Okay, the Strat, the strat drop in Evertune is $295. Yeah. So, like, you get this for 500 you sell the pickups for 100 you sell the neck for 150 200 maybe, and that starts making it sound like gravy to get that Evertune, and then you... You know, use that extra bit of money that you potentially made in the flip towards the installation, and you got an installed Evertune and a guitar you wanted it in for the cost of just the hardware. Like, yeah. that's the grift here. Yeah. But then, like, yes, yeah, it's, it's like I said, each individual part is so niche, like, combining them together is impossible. Like, a fully scalped strat neck with stainless steel. Stainless steel. Stainless steel. 
But Steve and I are referencing the fact that people like really ringed me because I didn't make a big deal about the stainless steel frets on the Harley Benton Fusion. You know what will uh, you know what will damage stainless steel frets? What jet fuel? Oh my gosh! Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this week's episode, speaking of jet fuel, this week's episode is sponsored by uh, Chase, Chase Bliss Audio. What? <laughs> Spe- what? Just making that hard transition, man. Next week will be the last week we're sponsored by Chase Bliss. Thanks a lot, Steve. That's, that's called a segue, Ryan. Chase Bliss Audio, we actually have the mood here in hand now. This thing is buck wild. I've been working up the nerve to demo it. I'm probably going to be recording it on the day that this episode airs. Oh. So maybe I'll publish it by the end of the day or the next day or something like that. Very cool. Um, I've had to sit and really spend time with this. Like, every time I get a Chase Bliss pedal, I know that I'm just in for it. Like, I'm going to be doing real homework to figure it out. And this was no exception, that's for sure. How would you describe the tones that you get with this, Ryan? This is a glitch making machine. Ah. That's what this does. There are a couple like kind of standard like delay sounds you can find in here. But for the most part, most Chase Bliss pedals, like at its core, there's a really like standard analog style effect. Right. That's not this pedal. This oh. pedal is for glitchy noise scapes and for experimentation and making like never ending like spatial loops that will just make you dizzy and make your audience fall in love with you. And it's very creative and very experimental. And you're you're just going to get lost in it. You're going to just fall down the rabbit hole for Mm -hmm. thousands of hours with this thing. Uh, When I do the demo, I think I'm going to focus on each setting by itself and then just do a couple jams at the end because like there's a lot to unpack with each setting. There's six settings on here. There's reverb, delay, slip, envelope tape and stretch they all do drastically different things and you can combine two together at the same time in different ways yeah and then there's all the dip switches on the top and it's just bananas it never ends if if you're someone into noise music or into kind of like ambient stuff this is a pedal that you're probably going to want to have i'm not going to say you're going to buy it i'm going to say you're going to think about having it a lot because it does a lot of stuff and makes a lot of noises I've never gotten anywhere else. Chase Plus Audio Mood. It's wild. I'm I'm still like a little scared and excited mm. to do the demo. It still says digital brain analog heart, right? Mm. Come on. All right. This episode's also brought to you by Sinusoid. Uh, Sinusoid Pro Audio Couture. They are makers of cables. And smiles. Uh, they have Can I do a, that too soon? They have a custom shop. Um, so... Go check out their website, see what cables they have in stock, see what kind of cables they have that you can like build your own or whatever. And if you're still not seeing the option that you're looking for, shoot them an email. Uh, their custom shop can put together something that may work for you that fit your exacting needs they as buy, a musician. They can buy all the parts that cables are made out of. Yeah. All that stuff is out there. If you have something special in mind, they can probably build it for you. There you go. Yeah. And the, the online builder is a fun way to like window shop and figure out what your actual needs are for a cable. There mm-hmm. might be options in there you didn't even know existed, like measurements and numbers of things you didn't know existed, like figuring out the way different plugs interact with you know whatever cable you want and stuff like that. Go, go do some fun like virtual uh, window shopping it's fun to use the builder yep it's cables sinusoid.com go check it out they make cables and smiles there we all go all right uh this next topic was sent to us by ozerg garlop beautifully read steve i don't know who this is i don't i don't know if i pronounced that correctly oser gut garlop oser gut garlop i think i got close all right. Anyway, he says, what pedals can sound great in the bedroom, but not live? Wah, baby. Waka, 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 waka. <sighs> you really Sound- wanted to Always sounds joke. good in the bedroom. Always appropriate in the bedroom. Uh, no, this is, I'm, I feel like we've answered or addressed like variations of this over the sure. years. Um, maybe maybe I ha- we have more to add to it. Maybe we have new perspectives now. Yeah, um, what, what do you want to lead? Well, in, you know, the when I first saw this, the first thing that I thought about is um, is like reverb pedals. Hmm. In general, uh, I think sometimes um, you know when you pull out like a reverb pedal, especially like in a small space, because you have like very little room, sure, uh, to work with, and very little like 
not really a ton of like reflective surfaces. So you're going to take your reverb pedal and, you know, this is, uh, oh, this has a, as a reverb, doesn't have, has a reverb setting, but right. you, you know, you take your reverb and you're like, oh man, I'm going to take the knob, like the depth knob and turn it all the way up. Or, you know, I'm going to take, you know, yeah. the reverb mix knob and I want all reverb. And maybe that's what, like legitimately what you want. But I think a lot of times, even in like trying to do like more, uh, like rock and roll, indie rock kind of stuff, like you tend to get too, uh, too reverb heavy, like in a small sure. space because you don't have any room. And then when you go into like a live venue or a larger space where you're, you have like walls for things to bounce off of, all of a sudden, like your reverb is just like way out of control. And it just gets lost in the mix and whatnot. Well, but it's getting lost in the mix because, like, maybe even like when you're having band practice, if you drop a mic in the middle of the room, it still sounds great because it's like three people in a small room or four people in a small room, and you're just cranking through it. But in the in you know again in like a large venue, it just gets lost in the mix. The sound guy can't pull it out because now it's like you're competing with your own ref- natural reflections in the room. That was the first thing I thought of was like I, reverbs. My, my thoughts. Because I've always said that like tube screamers sound awful at home and then sound great mm. in a band scenario, and like so that th- we're working with the opposite here: stuff that sounds great at home and sounds not great in a band scenario, or doesn't matter in a band scenario. And I really think like kind of complicated, like waveformy, like repeat pattern stuff that you. Like you figured out some part for it at home, like this galloping delay, and right. then you get it with a band, and you're just like I can't make it sync up. I'm just gonna, you know, default to you know like a quarter note delay here. Yeah, like you re- a simple slap. You really back. have to be like locked in with the full band in that kind of situation. And you, if you just can't make it work live, then you just dump it and you go to you know your standard like slap backy or like long ambient delay sort of thing because that complicated thing you came up with at home just isn't working. Yeah. And there's not time to get everyone else on board to play along with your delay. Uh, I mean, there's all kinds of effects that fall in that department now. And it, they work great when you're at home recording, jamming, whatever, you're experimenting. But then you get in a band scenario and, like, stuff just falls apart. You know, you have some sort of, like, crazy particle reverb or something like that. Or you have a tremolo with a really complicated waveform on it that just jumps around a bunch of different ways. Like, I always find... In a live scenario, I just go for the simplest setting that's on the pedal. I go for that simple, like, optical or bias tremolo sound on a tremolo. Right. I go for a simple, like, uh, arena slap back on a delay. Mm. You know, I go for just the most simple, like, hall reverb on a reverb pedal and stuff. And all that other stuff that you thought was awesome at home just kind of becomes too much to deal with. I feel like I've run into this problem a lot with... um with trying to use um, muff style pedals, not yeah. wide open. Well, fuzzes are, are are one that can definitely like just disappear in a live setting. Yeah, and I found like especially like because um, muffs tend to have like that really big scoop in them. Mm-hmm. I feel like more than other types of fuzzes um, that unless I'm like going like full out like which I mean I don't even know why I'm trying to run a fuzz with like the sustain or, you know, whatever drive function knob, like not dimed. Like that's my my own fault. Right. I don't know why they have a, a gain knob on there. You just need to turn it all the way up and break it off. Yeah. That's how fuzzes. It should just be a resistor. It should just be a resistor fixed. Right. Right. Um, anyway, um, but I found that like when I pull those into live settings that by the time I get back to where, like, I feel like I can hear it. I've, I'm what I'm, Hearing the way that I feel like it needs to be is just all off. Sure. I For me, the most usable way to use fuzz live is as like a, a static generator before my time-based effects. Because mm. uh, that gets you like a great big wash of like your delays and your reverbs and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah. it's like hitting it with a big synthy square wave, you know? Like... In my when I'm playing at home, my fantasy is like, oh man, I'm just gonna drop these big Davy Allen, you know, super fuzz riffs. And the reality is that in a band scenario, that just isn't gonna work unless yeah. you have that exact band, you know, <laughs> unless you're building around your specific fuzz sound. Like for the most part, like fuzzes don't always work. 
especially like in the bands that I play in. So mm-hmm. I don't know, something to think about. Like I spent all this time chasing fuzzes and a lot of times they don't work. The, the one I run to like a lot when I know, like I just want something to work is the, uh, the Walrus contraband that I have up there. It's right. just one knob, a tone switch between thin and heavy. It's like you run it thin or heavy. Uh, I usually run it heavy. And uh, it either works or it doesn't, and it, I, you know, I figured out real quick. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Instead of like trying to mess around with a bunch of different settings, trying to dial it in. You yeah. Know? So, there's that. You have anything else to add to this? This is where we wrap up the segment. Segment. Man, you're really, you're really digging in on this. All right. Um, <laughs> quick housekeeping note. Um, this week we got. Uh, we want to thank David Ferraro, who's supporting the show on Patreon. At the five dollar level, five dollar level we don't talk about a lot. You do get because people don't do it a lot. You get a lot, a little bit of a merch pack at the five dollar level, but you don't get behind the scenes. So you don't that's get a, in the inner it's circle. A, it's a cool one. Um, it's kind of like a more inner inner circle because like you don't see anyone. Like you don't. You're like in it's the, so you're the, It's secret. like you're there all by yourself. It's so secret. There's no one there. Uh, anyway, uh, if you want to support the show, head on over to Patreon.com/slash Sixty Cycle Humcast. Um, I always forget. Yeah, you'll um, find us. Just Google 60 Cycle on Patreon. Do something like that. You can support yeah. us at any dollar amount that you want to, whether it's a dollar, two dollars, three dollars, four dollars, five dollars, twenty-five dollars, twenty-six dollars, twenty. I mean, a hundred dollars. I bet I don't you know, could pledge a hundred dollars a month if you wanted to. I, bet, I mean, I you've bet you got could. A four thousand dollar guitar and a two thousand dollar case. Why don't you I support? Dare the, you to support this show at the two hundred dollar level? I dare you. If we had a two hundred dollars supporter, you think we would like do something special for him? Nah, <laughs> I don't. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll send him a Christmas card or something. Steve might. Who knows? Steve Who might. knows? Anyway, um, maybe we'll fly out to you and have a beer with you <laughs> if you want to support us at two hundred bucks. All right. Anyway, and it's um, reasonable. Yeah, uh, it's reasonable uh, airfare. We'll figure it reasonable out. Reasonable airfare. It's re- airfare can always be reasonable. You just have to find the right time to fly. All right. We'll red eye it out to you. All right. Uh, so anyway, thank you, David, for supporting the show. Uh, we appreciate everyone who supports the show, whether it's uh, through listening, sending songs. If you want to send us a song, just send us a file to sixty cycle humcast at gmail dot com. Mm-hmm. Um, Join the Facebook group, whatever. Like, send us we, ads. Send, send us ads. Send us topics. Yeah, lots of lots of ways to support the show. Yeah, uh, that make things um, go more smoothly and more fun on our yeah. end. I mean, we used Patreon money tonight to buy ourselves dinner, which means that my wife didn't have to cook dinner for herself, and we didn't have to cook dinner for ourselves, and we all just got to have kind of a more restful evening because food was provided. You know. It makes it it just, it's one of those little things that just makes podcasting easier when we don't have to like hustle and bustle around those sorts of things. We can just buy ourselves burritos. We're not buying filet filet mignons over here. We're just getting burritos. Maybe we should though. I mean, yeah, maybe it's a good idea. All right. Uh, (laughs) This last ad was sent in by Tyler Davis. It's called Holy Martin. This is a Martin M21. Needs repair. Steve Earl signature model. Um, This is, the guy says this list for $42.99. It retails for thirty three ninety nine. Who cares what it lists at if that's what the retail is? Uh, right. Some, some people want you to know, man, what the list is. MSRP. Um, MAP. Yeah, me up. Me up. Me up. Uh, he says this is the Steve Earle Custom Edition. A very nice shape, but will need new top. Play as is or repair. Best offer over a thousand dollars. Also, case. Uh, he wants an extra two hundred twenty-five dollars for a case. Uh, well, that's the right ratio. Yeah, don't ask, won't tell. So, what what do you think is the most striking feature of this guitar, Steve? Do you um, think it's I, like I think it's the the classic uh, square Martin headstock. You think it's a square Martin headstock, or maybe it's this just classic no cut body shape, yeah, dreadnought, yeah. or do you think it's, it's the fifteen? This is not a dreadnought. This is an OM, but. You know, okay, okay. What's the dreadnought then? Not this. All right. This is a smaller body, I believe. Than oh, I thought a dreadnought was just a guitar without shape, without no. without hole. Uh, so, anyways, maybe which hole? Maybe, wait, which hole? I know. Maybe the distinguishing feature of this guitar is the half dozen uh, baby fist sized holes in this guitar body in the top of it. 
Do you think a baby punched this guitar? I have no idea what happened to this guitar. One of them looks like a baby foot. Yeah. There's a couple baby fists in there. It to me it looks like someone attacked it with a uh with a claw hammer. Maybe, but those do you think those I think those uh This looks like an attack to me. The the very clean circles must be make me think ball peen hammer for those. Ball peen, huh? Um my other thought was maybe those two smaller holes were just like golf balls launched at close you know, range. They are all all the holes are different shapes. They are. So it makes me think that it was a multitude of objects. It's not one object. Maybe one object a couple times. Mm-hmm. But then I think a, a new object entered into the scenario at some point here. Oh, yes. A new challenger appeared. <laughs> like maybe the first object was removed from the scenario, uh-huh. and then a new object was improvised to continue to, to attack this guitar. Um, I... What do you think was going on here? You think this is like a jilted lover situation? You think this is like a didn't pay your drug dealer situation? I don't know, man. It's like a you snitched on the mob sort of thing. The way that these are positioned, it looks like a it, like it legit looks like a uh wear pattern that i've seen done intentionally no for like some there's because there's like some guy out there who has like his guitar and it's like a willie nelson situation right but it's like super extreme yeah but that's not this this isn't wear from anyone's playing here's a question i have for you look at the sound look in the sound hole Uh uh-huh did somebody take a sharpie to the to the paper it looks like the tag is off center well, that might be normal. It looks like the tag has been sharpie. It might have been. What is going on there? Yeah, it does look scratched out. What is going on with this guitar? It almost makes me wonder... Are there strings on this guitar? I don't think there are. I don't think there are. There's no strings on this Yeah, because there's no pins in the bridge. Yeah. What the hell happened to this poor guy? I mean, normally I'm pretty bored by acoustics, but this one has my, <laughs> has my interest up. Best offer over $1,000. So we'll not accept $1,000, but we'll accept the best offer starting well, at $1,001. Any offer over $1,000 will automatically be the best offer. Yeah. Because I don't think he's going to get his, his $1,000. How much does it cost to replace an entire spruce top? I, I don't even know. It's not just the top. I'm sure you have to repair all sorts of bracing and stuff underneath there. Right. And for an acoustic guitar, you've got to pull off the fretboard to do that, right? Because the fretboard's on top of the top. I don't know, man. I guess. To me, it just seems like get a new guitar time if you want this repaired. Because I would, if I was shopping for this model guitar and I didn't care what it looked like, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'll make this guy an offer. I'll play with a busted guitar, busted up looking guitar. No, this is nuts. It's pretty bad. It's pretty messed up. I'm looking on reverb. Um, there is one Martin M21 Steve Earl in a different color, and it's 4500. But it's a different finish, so maybe it doesn't count. I don't know. What, you what guys, do you, what you, do you think is a fair price for this, Steve? It's so hard it's to so hard. say. Yeah. And like you said, it's missing the bridge pin. So you're already looking at like replacing stuff too. With what happened to this thing, whatever it was, whatever traumatic event, and it's missing all the strings and the bridge pins, you go try this out. You're not going to try it out. Yeah. That's the problem. Like, that would actually you, be you my... Go, you, fr- go to, you go to check this out. You have no idea if the neck is good anymore. That would be like my first question is, hey, I'm interested in this. Are you going to put strings on it? Say it costs $1,000 to replace the top on this. Does that sound like above and beyond fair for a luthier? I mean, I guess. Like then I said, I have no idea. Then you're getting a $4,000 guitar for 2000 bucks. Well, you're so, getting a $3,400 guitar. Sure, for 2000 bucks. Yeah, but if it retailed for 3400 new, it's probably already like in the 2000s anyway. So just get something that's already like in the right shape. Yeah. Oh, man, it's just too risky. I'd, if I was legit curious about this, I would write the guy. I'd be like, string it up for me. Yeah. 
I'll come check it out. Yeah. Because I got to play this thing to figure it out. What if it's, what if this is a magic guitar with those special holes in it? And you'll never be able to replace that. I mean, that. it might be. It like, might be. Like, reproduce that sound. I could, but then it's like, I just can't imagine, like, oh yeah, my secret tone is uh, I buy a $3,000 guitar and then I put six randomly placed cr- crunchy, big old gaping holes in I it. I let my super baby punch it. Yeah. <laughs> and kick it. Yeah. I got nothing for this. Man. Yeah. Good luck. Whoever you are selling this thing. Good luck. Yeah. And I'm sorry for whatever happened. Unless you were the one who did it, then I'm like, screw you, dude. Why'd you do that to your own guitar? Gross. All right. Tell us about the well, song, Steve. Uh, this week's song is sent by Jeep. He says, beep, beep. greeting gentlemen. I thoroughly enjoy your podcast. It often is tedious on a whisking day. No, it's often whisks me through a tedious day. Please find the attached <laughs> file. This song is called, who do you trust? So thanks, Jeep, for sending us a song. That's a big question. Who do you trust? Bye, everybody. Stay grounded. I need to push the surface of reality. You overwhelm and destroy. Yeah.